Hello and welcome humans and future sentient silicon beings to the fourth age with Noah and Marty. Today we have a special guest, uh, Sardor. Um, you wanna introduce yourself? Absolutely, yeah. My name is Sardor Ahmedov and I'm a tech entrepreneur. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your fascination with AI. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, even before AI, I mean, a um, little bit of a backstory into who I am and how I got here, right, if you don't mind. So uh, I've been a tech entrepreneur, identified as tech entrepreneur since the age of 10, right, when I started my small business in uh, back in uh, middle school, selling video games to kids. And then that evolved into, you know, as a teenager, 16-year-old, ran an e-commerce store locally back in Uzbekistan. And then at 16, I came here to the U.S. from Uzbekistan, where I'm originally from, on my own uh, for high school when I got a scholarship. I studied there uh, for about two years, and then I graduated, went to New York. I studied electrical engineering at um, New York Institute of Technology until I dropped out in my second year and pursued entrepreneurship. That's when I joined Jafton, uh, initially in the business development role, and then slowly working my way up to becoming a partner in the company. So that's a little bit about my story. Um, with AI, I've been fascinated and, and kind of looking into it since 2016, right? Just as a college kid. And then um, we've been fortunate enough to be able to launch the AI products and AI services at our company, at our agency, Jafton. So what we do is we build projects for our clients generally, and we specialize in mobile app development. However, earlier this year, we launched our service called AI Infusion, where we help our clients add AI features to their existing applications, right? And uh, that's been a very, very successful service. A lot of our clients are using it. And on top of that, we launch our own generative AI products. One of the uh, recent ones is Lendo AI, which is this um, landing page generator for apps. With one click, you can generate a, a landing page website in less than um, 30 seconds. Right, wow. that's one of the products we built. Uh, I'm also an angel investor in Fathom AI, which is the AI note taker that can basically accompany you on all of your video calls on Zoom or Google Meet, and take notes for you, create follow-up emails for attendees, and log action items into your CRM or any system of your choice, so that you don't forget the action items and the recap of the meeting. You don't have to rewatch anything, or you know, remember what you talked about everything can be saved automatically with AI. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, so yeah, those are three areas. Oh, the fourth one where I'm involved with AI is uh, I run this series of events every Tuesday here in our office in Miami called GP Tuesday. So every Tuesday we invite a speaker to talk about the AI project they're building to an audience and we get over hundred people attending uh, every month. So yeah, those are four areas of my involvement in AI. That's super cool. Uh, yeah. I'm super curious how it's changed in the last, um, you mentioned back to 2016. And some of my experience was around 2015. I remember somebody saying, uh, you know, pre 2015, we had all sorts of flavors of machine learning. There was, uh, you know, everybody had the, their flavor they liked, random forest or logistic regression or 10 million others. And then one day, um, you know, neural nets were around, but they were really hard to, to program or, you know, to get right. And then they were really hard to debug. And then some around 2015, 2016, that changed to, no, they just work. We don't know how they work. They, you know, we don't know what's actually going in, uh, what's going on, but they just work. Um, and then, of course, about what is it now? About ten months ago, you know, ChatGPT, Stable Diffusion, all appeared. And I'm curious what that trajectory has been looking like for you guys. Yeah, so we've been looking into AI and building some AI products before as well, but not largely, right? And obviously, with the creation and I mean launch of GPT, uh, we really the world has kind of been hit with the importance of AI and everybody's trying to jump into it right now, right? So that accelerated the demand for services, which also for us was a no-brainer to launch the service, right? And it became easier to launch AI products because there's so many APIs and ready products that yeah. if you can just tweak them enough and wrap them properly, you can create very, very valuable product right and there's a lot of skeptics out there that say hey is this even an ai development if you're just plugging and playing like you know different apis well 
I actually think, yes, it is an AI product development. Yeah. Even, you don't have to create your own large language model or your own neural network necessarily to build AI products these days. And I think that's beautiful because there's so much to be done on the consumer side, because one thing is to create the engineering mind and the, the, the code behind the backend, but how you create the user experience is, is it can make or break a product. You know, there's yeah. so many products out there that until somebody created a beautiful UI and UX and convenient UX, those products did not take off in the market. Like one example being Robinhood, right? Trading has been around, E-Trade, Ameritrade, all these platforms have been around, but 99% of people didn't know how to trade until Robinhood came around and made it easy, right? So same thing with AI here. You know, there's so many APIs now, ChatGPT, the, the other like the 11 labs and whatnot. But what we can create as like consumer products out there is really what's going to make it popular and bring it to the market. So um, that's my long answer to show how there's so much demand and we're, we're really, you know, jumping into it right now. I, I'm super curious where your biggest challenges are. Uh, Cause I, I've not, um, I've been using AI, but I've not actually built my own um, AI startup yet. Yep. Um, challenges really is just the ability to focus and, and decide on what to build. Right. Uh -huh. Honestly, not going to lie up until like July of this year, I've had this paralysis through analysis. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not a, you know, overthinker. I really try to always just jump in and do something. But this time around, because there is such a big, overwhelming amount of products coming out on AI and 99% of them being just the wrappers of existing solutions, I was thinking whatever I create next, somebody else is going to create already, already and mm -hmm. it's going to be a commodity, right? So I didn't see value in creating something like unique until I realized, you know what, I should just get started with it. So around July of this year, I started working on this generative AI product. Um, and then as of yesterday, we just put it up on the domain and we're going to be doing an official launch um, in two weeks in Dubai. And uh, yeah, very excited about that because uh, I personally, you know, there's, there's competitors out there that are doing generative AI websites, but this one is going to be unique because it's very niche and it's only the user experience is one click. You know, nobody has done a one click generative AI product yet in this space. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of the days of, of the social media um, explosion and you had, you know, LiveJournal and MySpace and all these and, and they were all kind of trying to find the right, I don't know, recipe. And then Facebook had it and everybody else got destroyed. And so I'm sort of in this mode of, yeah, there's all these exciting startups putting the Legos together in different ways and you've got another really um, cool one and someone's going to land it and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change how we operate and how we think. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I'm hoping we can get a shot at this as well, you know, with this product and, um, uh, obviously the challenge you asked, you know, to answer that actually, um, Marty, like there's no challenge in the product itself. Thank God I got over hundred engineers on staff that can build it. But for me, the challenge is to be able to like really focus on the core business, which mm -hmm. I believe, you know, when I get asked like, what's one advice I would give to a younger self is, is to focus more on one thing and not be distracted by the shiny objects, right? Because yeah. every entrepreneur has this shiny object syndrome. I got to be honest, I can't help myself with these things sometimes, you know, like I get excited about 300 different things on a week that I could launch and build because especially having access to developers readily, right? Yeah. It's super enticing. But to me, like there's some ideas that I just can't resist to, and not build them. And this was one of them, you know, but the challenge is I still have a company with hundred employees to run. You know, I can't unfortunately just yet like focus my resources and focus my own time on a brand new project. Like for example, how Elon Musk does, right? He launches a new product every three months, I think, you know, <laughs> and, and they all become large. Well, he can do that because he can always hire a CEO for a new project and like deploy like millions of dollars into that, I'm not in that position yet. So that's a challenge, right? However, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to the point where with our agency, uh, we're able to hire somebody who can really handle the operations and the sales side. So this business kind of runs on autopilot and then we can go and like focus on a, on a product independently. Uh, but currently that's just the challenge of being able to focus and not multitask. You mentioned um, your developers. One of the problems I've been running into with all the companies I'm advising um, 
and actually myself is this weird little thing where I've been coding for whatever it's been. Well, uh, kind of like you, you know, since uh, diapers, it sounds like. <laughs> um, I remember I wrote my first for loop. I think I must have been five or something uh, or four. Hopefully I wasn't still in diapers at that point. Anyway, um, uh, and AI comes along and I played around with some of the, the code developing tools uh, like uh, what's GitHub's one, uh, Copilot. Um, and I'm having a hard time working it into my flow, but I've noticed that a lot of others are, and I'm starting to think that there's the, the right thing to do uh, with other companies, with some of the companies I'm advising is to say, hey, we need to have a lunch and learn or some sort of an intervention so that developers can give this a try, see how you actually use it. I, I think it's like anything else. Like the first time you use an IDE, it's not your usual flow. It's weird. But if you can get used to it, you'll fly a lot faster. Um, and I'm noticing the people I know who are using um uh, 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 Copilot and others um, are saying that they're getting 25% faster. One project I'm on, actually, we asked it to uh, one of the guys I'm working with said, um, make me a driver for a very specific chip. And it made it. I mean, it's got, seems like every damn chip uh, <laughs> data sheet out there, it's already in there. And so I'm having trouble expanding my creativity to understand how to use this. And I'm wondering if you guys are doing that internally. So are we using any of these like co-pilot and all these tools you're saying? Yeah, are, are you, are you, have you been able to, are, yes, are you using them? And, and how are you getting your developers to get used to a new world of how you code? It's actually, um, to be fully frank, we are using it to some extent and we're really pushing our developers to use it, but not everybody's open to it. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much we can do. And I think it comes with culture too, like of like uh, post-Soviet Union countries being very conservative to new things. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's ironic because we're, we're engineers and just like you're saying, there's always the new and shiny, but for some reason, this new and shiny is it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but I see it catch on with among, you know, other kind of developers here in the US more than uh -huh. in, with the developers like uh, overseas, especially the ones that I have on uh, on staff. You know, these people are a little more conservative toward uh, switching. But I know, I know like a lot of them are using it, like, you know, within some of the platforms that we use, like there's generative AI for design and uh, actually, yeah, designers and, and people who build visual products are more open to it. Oh, are they developer. using it for design? Uh, yeah, partially. Yeah. So uh, there's some low code platforms that we use that uh, have the generative AI, pro uh, you know, products capabilities within them. And so they're creating some of the pages with that, you know. Uh-huh. So it, what, it, does it actually get down to making buttons and other elements for the website or, or for the page? Yeah, it can give a base. It doesn't always work. So I wouldn't claim that they're working on it like all, with all projects, but uh, it can get some of the basic uh, pages done. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I had been wondering about when it was coming for design. I, I assumed that that would come pretty fast, uh, especially when you have things like Stable Diffusion making these insane pictures. I was wondering if design would be... Uh, on the chop, you know, on the uh, on the list that AI is going to start taking down. Well, also ChatGPT is now into V, which isn't standing for five; it stands for visual. Um, and they they are now demonstrating not in the. I don't think this is open yet, but they're it's the one they're working on next. Um, you can show it pictures of things and ask it questions about the pictures, and it will mm -hmm. it will answer back correctly. Um, the demo I saw uh, asked for instructions on how to adjust a bike seat and included a picture of the bike yeah, seat. And the I believe the, the machine actually circled like the nut that you were like, put the picture back with a hand-drawn-ish looking circle around the nut you were supposed to loosen to get the, the bike seat to operate properly. Um, so in that kind of context, you could see a world where um, uh, you could use some sort of generative AI to to produce user interface and have something like a ChatGPT V figure out how the interface was supposed to be written and turn the, hand that off to some sort of copilot-like thing to write the back end to make an interface that worked that way and also do that in the other direction as well. Um, uh, so there, yep. one question I had, you were talking about the, you know, consumer interest really, uh, hyping up as, as sort of generative AI becomes highly fatty. Um, is that 
mostly what you recognize is sort of a FOMO out of users, or are they looking just at the the sort of the cost savings, or are people really embracing and and trying to change and and saying, hey, I put this in and suddenly my bottom line gets a lot better. Like, where's the where's the line on things like that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, among among our clients, you mean right? Like people were were offering these services to. Um, so it, I would say it's all over the place. Some people are completely just like lost and and you know they don't know where to start. They don't even know why they would need it or how they would use it. Right, and that's I would say more than half actually. Um, like more than half of our clients actually, when we offer AI infusion, they'd be like, "Yeah, it sounds cool, but I'm not sure how that would you know be a fit for my app." But there's probably like about like quarter of are people that actually are super excited. And they're like, hey, if we don't put AI, we're going to be dead in like three months. <laughs> no, we got to add AI to our product. Um, and then another quarter is probably just kind of, uh, you know, trying to do it, but doesn't know how to, what exactly add AI wise. You know, they're open to this idea, but they don't know um, what, how this AI could, could help them, right? So uh, from very excited to mildly excited to, n- completely lost we have like all kinds of uh clients right now um but generally there's there's even those who are lost and don't know they they, they understand deeply that that if they don't add ai they they will miss out and you know um or, or at least like you know there's so much more they can do with ai you know that uh, would help them yeah are you finding anybody skeptical because one of the things i've started to wonder is if ai is going to be um become a term that, that we're watering down. Uh, Cause there's a, you know, obviously there's some great products out there and then, but every company is saying it. Do you remember uh, Coca-Cola recently announced uh, a product they're making that they made with AI? And I'm like, that's really probably a stress. Was that the ad like that, that was created? I think it was an ad, but I think it was specifically one of their drinks that they, the AI assisted them in the ingredients or something. Oh, Oh, and I didn't know that. I don't know. My, my thought here is that what's going to happen just the same that happened with, um, multimedia in the 90s and uh um uh hd i I remember roof changed and everything there was a roof option that was hd i was like what is a high definition roof but they're putting that up because it sells right and so i think everything's gonna have (laughs) ai on it i think it's gonna be this dilution of uh, what ai Um, yeah well you know for for children of the 80s uh which you certainly are not sardor and marty i think you barely are uh but you might recall turbo um which which is actually a thing that engines can have to cause them to be able to operate at higher efficiencies and powers. Um, but a, a car line became quite faddishly popular that was turbocharged, and turbo became a arbitrary term of awesome coolness that, that completely took over the entire pop culture for several years. For sure, um, I would say yeah. I mean, with um, with this with this as well, there's some some portion of it for sure that people are adding like unnecessarily, you know, to their products. You know, they call it AI. Like literally, this product that I was using before, uh, I think it was called Karma with K. Uh, that is like a shopping assistant. You know, it was like a smart shopping assistant. That's how they positioned it for years. Now they call it AI shopping assistant, right? They just sprinkle the word AI to the same exact exact product, you know? Right. It's not right. necessarily AI because all it does is just indexes the products and just searches them across the web. Yeah. It's a price comparison engine, right? But how cool is that to sprinkle that AI to yeah. raise the next round of funding? So yeah. there's definitely that that part where, you know, what is AI about this, right? And then where do we cross the line of AI? Where, how do we define AI? I honestly had that had that uh, dilemma as well. Like, how do we define AI? What is AI and what is not AI? Like, are you calling a, uh, you know, if, if you go far enough, like you could call calculator an AI, you know, because it's an artificial intelligence that can calculate and well, compound. Well, yeah, right? that's... But, you know, that's where, you where I like to differentiate between artificial general intelligences and super intelligences. Um, the things like this karma that you're describing is probably exhibiting super intelligent traits. It really can crawl the entire internet and find out what the best deal for what you're looking for is, presumably. Or maybe it can't. I don't know how it actually works. But 
Well, it, it cannot. That's the problem. And if it did, that would be probably right. really cool. Yeah, that was actually one of the top ideas I had if I ever wanted to build an uh, e-commerce uh, product. But all it does is like it only compares between Amazon, Walmart, okay. and eBay, I think, and well, the that's, other website. That's, yeah, that's, and, and that's one of the, the basic challenges is that it's sort of easy to create things that look super intelligent to, you know, 20 or 30% of the population. Um, because you can just use a average human being to do that, basically. Um, yeah. But uh, That's right. but it's it's very hard to create things that stably behave in super intelligent fashions, and that kind of behavior doesn't actually need to come out of these generative, uh, you know, neural net type systems. You can get that kind of behavior out of just statistics, actually, if you. If you've got large enough sample and large enough data sizes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, to me, I, I was like, I was having an issue like defining general AI, right? Uh, I could probably easier define more easily uh, AGI and, and for general intelligence or like generative AI. That's why I like actually the classification of AI, right? I think that's where we're going to be um, seeing more legitimacy, right? If you if you have something that's generative AI, then that's actually more legit than just calling it like AI shopping assistant. That that's okay. That's not really people are going to be like more skeptical towards just like general. Sure. AI. One example I thought of uh, when we were talking in there actually is uh, Netflix. Um, the the Kevin Spacey uh, House of Cards. Um, Netflix, mm -hmm. of course knows who their audience is and knows what they're watching and apparently figured out that mm -hmm. people that watched the British house of cards liked Kevin Spacey movies and David Fincher directed films and were like, okay, uh, we can, we can make this happen. <laughs> um, let's hire mm -hmm. some, you know, let's hire a writer's room and, uh, and get these guys under contract and have them make this series over again, except, like this director, wow. this actor, and this premise. Um, and so that's an example of a, a, a connection that's actually being made by statistics. You know, that presumably mm -hmm. they don't have some hyper-advanced AI super brain, yep. but they're still, by being able yep. to gather very large sample sets uh, to find these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, I mean, at the core, it's data science, right? It all comes down to data. Um, you mentioned AGI. One of the topics that, that Noah and I have been exploring is um, uh, this premise of what if we started with AGI? What does the next 10, 20 years look like? Um, and we've been exploring a little bit about alignment problem issues and, and what would cut through the alignment and all this. Um, what fascinates me about what you're doing is you're on the ground right now doing startups actually delivering products um where do you do you have a, a thought every time someone asks me this question i say that no one knows but i'm gonna have to ask it anyway <laughs> do you do you have a thought for where it's all going to be in about um say two to five years um yeah i mean it, it, it kind of a guess right an educated guess i would call it just because mm -hmm. i'm witnessing this in the weeds um i think there's going to be a lot of new products. One thing that I could probably just bet on that's going to happen is um, this conversational AI getting so advanced. Mm -hmm. We're already seeing it like with Meta launching a few days ago, there are like celebrity AI like characters, right? Like there's this Dungeon of Dragons, which is played by Snoop Dogg and it's an AI that you can talk to, right? So I love where it's going with like specific characters with specific knowledge expertise, right? So I think that is going to to just kind of um, take off real real big, and we're seeing big advancements with Quest Three being an AR uh, augmented reality platform, right? Mixed reality, and I think in combination with mixed reality technology and uh, AGI, like um, conversational AGI, that is where we're going to see massive, massive shifts. Because not going to lie, I mean, I when this was like all just being hyped up in the beginning stages. Did I feel an existential threat to this business that we're running? Yes. You know, because AI can already create products. Mm -hmm. 
And we were initially having this debate with my business partners that he's saying, okay, yeah, yeah, I can create products, but there's still going to be need for humans to facilitate this, right? To gather the requirements from another human and pass it on to developers to, or even if you're, the one developer is going to create the whole product, there still needs to be that communication mediator between the human and the, another human. Well, I think in the next two to five years, that mediation is also going to be happening by AI. And if it does happen, well, that's, that means that's it, right? Because like if yeah. service-based businesses are going to go, then like, because you would think those are the last ones on the line that are going to go by automation, right? Mm -hmm. So the moment we're going to be able to sustain a conversation with an AI and have that AI like deliver what we just discussed, like your personal assistant or, or if it's like a customer service rep that can then pass on the task to another AI, when one AI can communicate between another AI and then translate the computer language from code to human language and back and forth between human language to computer code, and quickly, then I think, yeah, and quickly and it's momentarily. Smoothly. And then, yeah. And then, then I think like, I can't imagine how the world is going to look because like yeah. so many businesses will be at the existential threat. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Sam Altman already said that chat GPT is going to have a, a conversational mode coming out or I mean, it may already be out, um, but I don't know. That's what the, what Noah was describing, I think with chat. GPT-V, okay. right? Yeah, the V yeah, version but, is going to have right, that right, right. Uh, incorporated also with visuals. There's a number of other things. Apparently, uh, this version is going to be an 1800 ELO level chess player, um, which I'm not entirely sure what they did to make that happen. But I do know that one of the largest YouTube channels um, is a chess channel, and he's released a number of embarrassing videos of ChatGPT playing chess, which works for like five or six moves. And then it starts moving pieces that were taken uh, or, or other crazy things like moving rooks diagonally across the board. So was it like failing or, or so doing great? It, like, uh... he, he, he hypes up and sort of makes comic of things, but what, what it does is it, it makes plausible moves for an opening. But at a certain point, because it doesn't understand it's playing chess, it's just producing moves that look like chess moves. It starts producing moves that look like chess moves, but aren't le legitimate chess moves anymore. So, oh. and I think this is a general problem too. Auto GPT was seeing this problem of the divergence after a few iterations of anything. It would just go haywire, and you have to start over. Yeah. Uh, so, some I've seen a, a handful of his his. Uh, explorations and it will do things like uh, moving its queen in a stupid way and then it's playing against a computer program and the computer program takes the queen and so then it will move the queen to take the piece that just took its queen um, <laughs> and, and 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 so he will he'll he'll do it in sort of like a teaching board so he there aren't rules he can just like make the board do whatever he wants it to do so he'll just like cause queens to, mm. to, you know, pop into existence because that was, that's what chat GPT thinks can happen. Um, and, uh, uh, and so, yeah, it never loses um, because it just keeps making, but, but as long as it right, plays with yeah. its own rules. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not playing chess anymore. Uh, well, it's generative AI, right? So it thinks like you can generate precisely. Pieces, yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the areas you mentioned is the uh, is uh, these uh, conversational AIs, and uh, one of the topics we've explored a lot is you know there's AGI, but then I think the far easier bar to achieve is perception of AGI. And the example uh, we we like to go over is um, the Furby from 1997. Are you familiar with this? No, not okay. so. The Furby was this little fluffy toy that came out in 1997, and it had eyes and it had little sensors and all that. Um, and people thought it was learning. In fact, the, uh, the Pentagon and the, uh, uh, it, what was the other group? Um, the NSA um, banned it because there was this perception that it was learning. Um, but in reality, it was a very simple machine. It had the perception that it's learning. So it would, over time, turn from, uh, it had a language called Furbish, a 42 you know, gibberish words that would turn into 42 common English words. And so people thought it's hearing me and it's learning, but it was not. 
It also had a perception of uh, understanding of here uh, of sensing reality, and, and in some way it did, but it was very crude. It was um, it had an audio sensor, but it didn't actually know what you were saying. It was just audio is happening in me, uh, around me. There was a touch sensor, and you know just tap. It was a button, and then there was a light sensor, but not a camera or anything. And that was enough that people, you know, the NSA and, and the Pentagon banned it. Um, and so wow. I'm wondering, somebody, I, I wanted to do an experiment, but somebody beat me to it where you take a Furby and you put ChatGPT attached to it. And the thing that I, that struck me at first was the way the conversation went is how are you, how's it, I, I don't remember exactly. I'm going to make it up. How's it going Furby? One second. It's going okay. And that pause destroyed all of the, you know, the, the illusion of, uh, uh of disbelief. Um, uh, and, uh, but if we get it fast enough and you, you break that little bit of silence, um, I wonder if we'll be there. And the other thing I was wondering is, um, I've wondered if, if we're going to be able to interact with AI, you know, are you, are we always going to need a human to interface with other humans? And what was that? There's a, there's a movie that came out, uh, passengers and in the movie passengers, which starts out great, I think, but, but fails a little flat at the end, but there's a character that's the, um, uh, it's a Android playing a bartender. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, a, it's a guy and they put, you know, uh, special effects around it. But I thought, hey, if, if it's this smooth and looks like this, I would be able to have an, uh, a deep conversation with it without problem. And so I don't know how far we are. I, I, I think you're right. There's a, there's, I don't know what the right word is, but there's a big something about to happen if we get to that. I think, yeah, it's, it's a matter of like just speeding it up, right? Uh, there's already like, I've had a conversation with uh, AI that was actually faster than what you just described. Right. And uh, I don't know how they were able to achieve it. Yeah. But it, there's this product that's a, it's a sales bot that can do follow up calls for you. Okay. And um, I, I've had a conversation with it. It was actually pretty good. Like when I, and it also like, unlike GPT, it claims to be a human, right? Because GPT is not allowed to claim right. to be a human. This one did. And because I said, hey, I know you're an AI, just calling me like, to do a follow-up. It's like, no, actually, I'm not an AI. And it actually gives That's you a warning great. in the beginning. It says, I'm sorry if the sound is lagging today. The connection is not really good. So I might be responding a little slower, <laughs> right? So it prepares you for that. And uh, uh, some people have fallen into that, thinking it's actually a uh, human, but it wasn't. How did you know it was uh, an AI? Did, did it just... Well, I, I was getting a demo from the company, so I knew <laughs> okay, they okay. were going to call okay. me. Yeah. It could yeah. you differentiate it, do you think? I probably would, honestly, because the, the sound was still a little robotic. Just it's, a little it's bit. way better than like the Alexas and the series of the world. But right. um, it, 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 you could still tell. Um, and But I, I could have gotten like maybe 30, 40 seconds into conversation without knowing. You had, you had mentioned wow. um, role play uh, and celebrity role play. You said Snoop Dogg has done something with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I, I knew that uh, Wizards of the Coast was trying to build out a, they call it, I think, a virtual tabletop experience and develop uh, machine dungeon masters. Uh, is that part of, yep. is this like how they're rolling that out? They have like a celebrity? No, I, I think they're, they're just calling him Dungeon of Dragon, but he, what he is is just like, I think, uh, what this is by Meta, right, by Facebook. So they um, added it to their Meta AI, different characters. One of them is Snoop Dogg, mm -hmm. but they're not calling the celebrity Snoop Dogg. They're calling them like Dungeon of Dragon, who's like the expert in, I think, like fiction movies, you know. And then they had, um, oh, what's that baseball um, um, player's name, the ex-baseball player that was... Um, a sport expert um forgot his name anyways he's a retired uh baseball player that's just become a public okay celebrity. um alex rodriguez and, 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 and uh, pete rose and, and, there's there's and, and, a no, lot no, no, of those guys no, as far no, as i know yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, anyways, this guy, he's a sport expert, and then they got another celebrity that's an expert in uh, gardening, right? As uh, another ex person who's a, uh, there was a celebrity chef, that's and they gave him a nickname as well. And then he's uh, your assistant in cooking and anything like regarding oh. like kitchen and all that, right? So very specific um, types of AI, right? So for some reason, they called Snoop Dogg um, Dungeon of Dragon, and uh, they gave him that character, right? Um, Oh no, sorry. They they call him Dungeon Master, right? 
they call him Dungeon Master. I'm just looking it up I mean, right to now. To me, that's the I next mean, level of really scary is when um, not only do we have, uh, we, we can't tell the difference between human and, and AI, but but uh, we can't tell the difference between, say, Gordon Ramsay and AI and Gordon Ramsay, the, the human. Uh, yes. Uh, and then I think the next level after that that's scaring me, there, there was an example of this. This person said that they lost their father, didn't get to say goodbye, but they, um, uh, someone trained a, uh, an AI that uh, was just like their father and they were able to say goodbye, which doesn't, that's weird to me, but if it comes and it starts to be normalized, I, I could see that being fascinating and really scary. And to me, that's the next level. That to me is like the Turing test on steroids when you cannot differentiate from a loved one that you know deeply and have known for decades. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah, it's surreal. It's like Black Mirror coming to, to life, right? <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, and what's weird to me too is usually I feel like uh, a bunch of my kids gen- uh, interact with AI and they don't like it. Um, and usually it's the next generation that seems to be okay with the current crazy technology, but um, it seems like uh, the younger generation is freaked out. And I think rightfully so. I think that this is coming for their jobs and and uh, their um, their reality a little bit. Well, fast. yeah, Sardor, you made a point that I've frequently made is that with information technology, the easiest jobs to hear to program a computer to be a lawyer than it is to program one to be a taxi driver. But we're spending all of our effort trying to teach them how to be taxi drivers. Um, uh-huh. at, at some point, we're, we're, if, if we get to that point, we will have been way, way past the point where we didn't actually need attorneys or, or salespeople or CEOs or whatever for, for you know, weeks or months or years. Are, are you doing any of that for, for management, by the way? I, I haven't really gotten uh, Are we trying to automate the management positions? Uh, no, we're building a sales bot right now to try to like, you know, teach it to uh, do follow-ups and like the, the, some of the calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's pretty much it um, for now. Uh, but the next step is, yeah, like we're starting with an SDR bot uh, which is like just going to do the follow-ups and everything. And then the next step would be to teach a bot that's going to actually try to close the deals, right? Uh, in a conversational manner. Are these bots over email? Uh, or, they, they're or starting they're with always... email and text. And then the goal is to then, it's all a matter of just connecting this uh, other API that's going to produce the voice. And then um, then it will be actually able to do the, the voice conversation as well. Are they working with uh, humans? Like, is there a salesperson paired with this or is it just, you know, the AI is just um, so good, you know, like the chess example, but you don't need a, a person to uh, help it anymore. For now, actually, the first version would, yeah, it would just be passing it on to the human. The goal is to get there again to the point where it's not going to need a human. Okay, so currently amplify a human yes. so they could do, you know, 10x better, 10x right. more or something. Okay. And then eventually the human just going to probably be in. Yeah, but what it's doing is uh, it's making the current position senior to themselves, meaning like uh, usually an SDR works a couple of years in SDR position, sales development representative who only like qualifies the leads and then passes it on to account executive, right? So they're working under account executive. Now, if we're able to replace the SDR, what it can do is like it can take all the SDRs into account executive positions faster, right? So they become an account executive. Yeah. right away by outsourcing their job into an uh, SDR bot. Interesting. And then uh, one level above that uh, as well? And then the the, later on, the, yeah, maybe if it can take the account executive job, then the account executive, one of the account ex- topic on executive would level up to the maybe director of sales on from there and we'll see where it goes. You know, Prioritizing accounts and yes. prioritizing yes. resources. Yeah, more and- of that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that Noah and I have argued is uh, that, that we believe that it's one thing to take over the programming jobs, but it seems like management would be the most obvious one to go after. Uh, I mean, I, I've done a lot of management. I, I get that there's a human aspect that that's going to be harder to deal with. But the, you know, the aspects of prioritization and laying out the calendar and, and uh, all these uh, and fa- figuring out fair compensation um, feel like a great, actually even better than human, feel great for AI because then you don't have emotion and you don't have asshole bosses or the perception that they're assholes. Right. I think we're inevitably heading toward on a larger scale in our lifetime, I'm hoping actually, uh, to the to the uh, merging of 
the robots and, and humans, right? Which is, you know, I, honestly, like, seems less of a science fiction today than it was 10 years ago, even or, or even five years ago. Yeah, I've wondered when it'll, it'll be an advantage to be an amputee. And I think that'll happen in our lifetime. I think so, too. I think so, too. Like, we're, 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 we've really entered to that next phase of, like, development where, you know, uh, every next development is going mm -hmm. to be faster than the previous one. One of the things I'm curious if you've seen any of this, um, we're, we're kind of going over and over the idea of is AI also able to, is any of the AI that exists right now able to generate um, uh, new ideas? And so I've wondered about when is the AI going to start assisting us in building these uh, neural links or, or uh, um, uh, able to build better interfaces to our, our nerves and, and things, things that are very complicated for us or we just haven't figured out the way. Um, and we've only been able to come up with small little steps the AI can do that show some kind of an extrapolation. And I'm wondering if you see any- I haven't any, seen, um, but, but hints just of kind of um, intuitively, I would say, what is a new idea anyways, right? It's always a combination of some kind of previous ideas that you shed a light on in some, some, something new. But again, everything new is, is mm -hmm. based off of previous knowledge, right? So I think it's just a matter right. of time until like it can generate some new ideas, right? Um, not mm -hmm. sure about the scientific kind of discoveries just yet, but I, I think even that is not, no. it, it's going to happen, I think, inevitably. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of an optimistic view on that. Yeah, and, and I think like where AI is different than humans is, is you know, I think AI is going to be able to eventually replicate anything and everything that human is able to do. I don't think there's going to be anything that only human can do, like they say, right? Currently, yeah, there's some like what we call creative works and things like that that AI is not able to. But again, it's all a matter of just like replicating the, the human neurons and brain. But so there's no advantage of human, I think, that over AI that eventually is going to be there. But is there going to be an advantage of AI over human? Yes, right? It already is like the very basic being the speed, speed of processing information, right? And the yeah. eternity of like existence and all that I think is already there. So there's the supreme thing. But one thing I think that we're failing at when we try to imagine the future of AI is just like with everything, humans try to humanize the picture of everything, right? And um, like it, the simplest example being like, you know, going back to even religion, right? Why, how like humans, you know, um, imagine God, did they humanize it as well? Again, like I think yep. if, if, you know. We're made yes. in his image as one of the parts. Right, the Bible, because people try to like humanize everything. And same thing they're doing with AI. Like if you watch this, uh, I watched this movie last week uh, called The Creator. It just came out, um, which is mm -hmm. supposedly supposed to show the war between AI and humans. And honestly, I was disappointed by this movie, how amateurish it, it did it, because there's so many flaws of like how it pictures the AI to the point where it even shows how a robot is watching a, a, a robot strip dance. Like, like robots would never do that, you know, <laughs> like it, it just doesn't make sense. But this picture again is yeah. just. And actually, though, the, the, the training data is, is us. So I wonder how long that would be. But we have discussed, you know, if you iterate really quickly, you're going to iterate into some crazy dimension that's not going to be like us anymore. It's quickly. not going to be, I think, like, because, like, the way inherently that the computers do things is different from what, how humans do it, right? Like, for example, if we want to communicate something to another human, we have to be next to them or we have to be connected on a wire to them, like this channel. And then we have to, like, speak it out. Then you have to process that, hear it, and respond with the words as well. It's not efficient compared to how computers communicate between each other. Like they, they do it in nanoseconds and in code, right? And so to assume that they will do just be like more advanced version of humans, I think is inherently wrong because like the way they do inherently everything is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the areas we explored was, um, yes, exactly this, that it will iterate away very quickly. It won't, it'll probably look at us like, heathens very quickly if it's anything like uh you know us looking back at ourselves 100 years ago um but we have been very fascinated with what might be preserved if you start you know just like anything else if you start with a basis set and then you inductively you know iterate um it's gonna be hard to get away from that basis set or, or maybe impossible 
And so we've been exploring a little bit about, well, what are some qualities that have been in humans forever? So, uh, you know, uh, things like caring for the young, acquiring resources um, at more of a meta level, uh, even, you know, fart jokes have been around for, for uh, you know, millennia. Um, and so one thing I am very curious about is uh, just the topic of what may be conserved from humans um, or, or, well, maybe a similar trait to humans, maybe is a better way to say it. So would acquisition of resources be like that? And if so, then how are we going to interact with the AI um, if it wants the same resources we want? If they want the same resources as we want. Yeah. Energy, land, whatever it needs. Yeah, I think energy <laughs> is the, the one resource that we might have a conflict over, right? I, land, I think, is the last one right. because, like, again, unlike, unlike humans, AI is anywhere where there's an internet connection, right? It just can trans transport itself right. like anywhere. But it may want the land for solar panels. Actually, yeah. <laughs> or a nuclear it. reactor. That's true. That could be it. Yeah. For servers, yeah. So, for servers. Yeah. <laughs> We, we came up with one uh, silly, but possibly uh, oddly possible com uh, um, outcome. If we are just mediocre <laughs> or somehow uh, comically entertaining uh, the AI, maybe it would find us as this lovely uh, pet that uh, would be worth keeping around. For, for um, but I'm not sure we came up with any other outcome. And, and, and that's the scenario you're describing if AI stays as a separate entity, right? Um, I'm again, more leaning toward the possibility of AI more likely to just merging with humans and us just possessing the capability of humans. And like how, uh, there's this book, um, that, um, you all know, Harari wrote about the next generation of humans, right? Just like one of the many, but, uh, my favorite one called Homo Deus, where he describes the next possible species that we evolve into. And I think all of this. Mm -hmm. I'm very bullish on this just being part of our evolution and not a separate entity, right? Eventually. I, I'd be curious on that subject. Um, did they give any, so we, we like to talk about the chess evolution. It started with, you know, 1997 deep blue beating Kasparov. Then um, for many years, it was human plus AI. And now there's no contest. The human is just a waste of space. Actually, they make it worse. So now it's just AI bot wins almost every right. time. Um, do they discuss why the human would be um, part of that equation if the AI is just so much better in every dimension? Right. Yeah. So uh, actually in that book, what I like is he doesn't really make like predictions per se, right? What he does there is like he lays out multiple possibilities of evolution. And and the one that I described is one of the possibilities mm -hmm. that he mentions there, right? Where we merge. He actually doesn't include exclude the possibility of us being eradicated either. But the, the book focuses more so on like this one possibility of like, um, you know, while laying out other possibilities, it focuses on this one possibility of like us merging with AI. Uh, I think the argument there was that this merging is going to happen while we're still in charge, right? While humans mm -hmm. are still in charge of directing the AI into wherever we want, while it's not a separate independent entity yet, we're going to still be able to take control and merge ourselves and enhance our capabilities with AI. And not just AI, it talks about all technology, just like biotechnology as well, like how uh, biological engineering is going to happen. How uh, It's a very, very interesting book, how it describes how um, wealthy people right now in the upper class, the only advantage they have is money, right? Right now, financial uh, advantage. But within time, with advanced of technology, they're going to be the first ones to get access to the advanced technology, such as biological engineering of their kids, right? Where we're going to be able to actually design our kids for the next generation to be superior, to be superior mm -hmm. to any other kids that are born without this expensive technology. Because most likely when it's going to be available, it's going to be expensive, right? So imagine now this, the upper 1% of the population getting access to this first and their kids inherently being right. born way more attractive, which is an unfair advantage in this world, way more physically right. fit, sharper, and, and many other traits that are just superior to any other kid that would have been born by natural selection and the random selection, right? And the book also discusses how all of this is going to open up this unfair advantage through technology to the wealthy people that have this access first, and that 
possibly the, the gap between the, the classes are going to be so wide where there's, yeah, where there's probably going to be even like two different species of humans too coexisting, right? Regular humans that never got access to this technology and like the, the privileged humans that have gotten and, and merged with AI, have biologically engineered their kids, enhanced their own like physical capabilities by, by even without amputation being necessary out of accident, just kind of amputating their own like body and placing a hu- like a robotic right, body, right. right? To be more, more physically advanced. Right. right, right. That moment when it's better to have an amputation than not, I wonder, that's going to present a really weird... Uh, very, very much. Thank you so much for joining course, us, Sadar. Yeah. Um, could you remind us where to find more of what you're building and, and if you have a, a podcast? And, sure. Yeah, I have my uh, own podcast. Uh, I go on different podcasts as a guest. Uh, planning to launch my own soon. Um, but as far as where to find me, just you know, type in my first and last name to Google, Sardor Akhmedov, and you'll see all my platforms. Um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Very active there. And uh, my company website is jaftem.com. If you want to build a mobile application, we'd be happy to help you. Um, if you want to get a one-on-one and you're launching a cool new product huh? tomorrow, you said you're launching a cool new product. Oh, right. Yeah. We're launching, uh, this product called Lendo AI. You can test it out. It's in beta right now on lendoai.com. Just one word, lendoai.com. Throw in an app, uh, that you've already launched if you have one and we will build you a landing page on us for now. Uh, we haven't connected the payment method, uh, as of this time of recording probably by the time it's out maybe we'll have it connected so it'll cost you some like fraction of the cost it would cost you otherwise if you hired somebody yeah. uh somewhere around a hundred dollars i'm gonna try because i do have an app I'm oh nice right if your now. app is on the app store it only works if the app is already on the app store though oh. yeah that's one disclaimer okay. Okay. um yeah but once you have your app out it can build you a landing page um, in less than 30 seconds and you don't have to pay anybody. You know, it's only a hundred dollars and it's out. Yeah. I, f- yeah. I feel bad for the designers, but I am such a lousy designer. I need some for help. Sure. Yeah. We, we have one That's design awesome. for now, but and it's going to be more. You can find no, one right, right here. Uh, no, I'm just saying we're going to be adding more and more designs. soon. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and you, as always, you can find Noah and I right here uh, on the fourth age on Substack, Spotify, and, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Sidor. Thanks for having me, guys, Noah and Marty. I enjoyed it.